0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, this is Dan Trotter, Pretty Good Bible Study. I've got a short Bible study here today that's going to cover Acts 12, verses 20-25, through which will finish up Acts chapter 12. Our context is this. At the beginning of Acts chapter 12, in the first 19 verses, Herod Agrippa I, who had become king of an area in Judea, Samaria, Galilee, Perea, Trachonidas, Batania, all over, he had an area of Israel that covered the same area, basically, that Herod the Great had, his famous grandfather. And so he used that power to please the Jews, to suck up to the Jews. And he arrested James, the brother of John, the son of Zebedee, and beheaded him with a sword. That was in the first part of chapter 12. And then he arrested Peter again to please the Jews. And he was getting ready to execute Peter, but Peter escaped through the help of angels The day before, the night before, he was to be executed the next day. And that's where we are. I just thought to myself, I just asked myself a question. Why did God not deliver James, but delivered Peter? Folks, there's no answer to that kind of problem. That's just the way it was. That's the way it's recorded in history. We're going to start, take up the last part of verse 19 here. The verse didn't divide in a convenient place. It said, then Herod went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. When did he do that? After he had killed the guards who let Peter get loose because of the angels. He executed him. then he went down to Caesarea. Now, Caesarea, of course, is the place where the Romans governed from. It was a seat of Roman government power. So he went down there to meet his fate, to meet his destiny, which we'll see about here. As we continue in Acts 12, verses 20 through 21, he, that's Herod Agrippa I, had been very angry with the Tyrians and the Sidonians. Now Tyre is that city on the Mediterranean coast just north of Israel in what was then Phoenicia and today is Lebanon. And Sidon was up the coast a little bit on the same coast. And of course they're very famous as trading centers. They tra- they traded all over the ancient Near East, very wealthy people, during their history. Together they, that's the representatives of the Tyrians and the Sidonians, they prevented, They presented themselves before him, before Herod Agrippa I. They won over Blastus. Now Luke's going to tell us how they managed to get an audience with Herod the Gripper I. They, the Tyrian and Sidonian ambassadors, won over Blastus, who was in charge of the king's bedroom. Of course, they won him over most probably by bribing him, and that's what they always did back then. And through him and through Blastus, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food from the king's country. So, on an appointed day, dressed in royal robes and seated on the throne, this is in Caesarea, in the amphitheater there, which I've been there, by the way. They showed exactly where he sat, and, or probably where he sat, and they showed the little amphitheater there. It's still there. Herod delivered a public address to them. That's to the crowd there. What this was, was a ceremony, a festival in honor of the emperor Claudius. Now, Herod Agrippa I was friends of Claudius, and in fact, Josephus has one account where he actually helped claudius stand up to those who would try to take him off the throne once caligula got assassinated in in 41 and claudius they found him hiding in the curtains and then they put him up on the throne the soldiers the praetorian guard and agrippa apparently gave advice to claudius some one version has he just sent him a message but i don't know it sounds better that he actually helped claudius out and so it makes sense that he's down here in caesarea giving a festival for claudius because he was close to him and the tyrians the Tyrians and the Sidonians were there in the crowd, I'm sure as well as just general Jews who were there celebrating the festival. Now, verse 30 says that Herod Agrippa I was angry with the Tyrians and Sidonians, but we don't know why, because history doesn't know the reason, it hasn't been recorded. Apparently what, whatever the cause of the anger was, Herod Agrippa I had responded by cutting off the Tyrians and the Sidonians' grain supply. And this is during Claudius' time, in which time there were four famines. So it, it could have been what, during one of these famines that the, the Tyrians and the Sidonians were hurting for food. They were seacoast cities. Where did they get their food? A lot of their food came from the fields of Galilee, which is right to the south and to the east. And so this is not good to have their food cut off. So they they needed it badly. Here's a verse in 1 Kings 5:11 that shows how much the Tyrians depended upon the Hebrews, the Israelites. For grain for food, 1 Kings 5.11. And Solomon provided Hiram, that's the king of Tyre, with 100,000 bushels of wheat as food for his household and 110,000 gallons of oil from crushed olives. Now think about that, 110,000 gallons of olive oil? That's expensive. Solomon did this for Hiram year after year. So you see, just as the shores of the Pontus, the shores of the Euxine, the shores of the Black Sea were the breadbasket for Greece, and just as Egypt was the breadbasket for Rome, Italy, so was Galilee the breadbasket for Tyre and Sidon too. I'm sure, because they were just a little further north. And so this was a big deal, and so they were all sitting there in the little amphitheater at Caesarea. They're going to get here a nice speech about how there's peace between Tyre and Sidon, and this speech was. On an appointed day verse twenty one an appointed day, appointed means it was a festival day they they It wasn't just a happenstance it was a, they were gathering together for a festival, and that's why there were so many people there. now he was dressed, says Luke, in royal robes it says on an appointed day, dressed in royal robes and seated on his throne, he was seated in full regalia. now these royal robes indirectly led to Herod Agrippa's untimely demise. Here's John Gill quoting Josephus. The same Jewish historian, that's Josephus, says that this, his apparel, was all of silver and of a wonderful contexture, and that going in this very early in the morning into the theater, the silver shone so with the rays of the rising sun that it struck the spectators with terror and admiration. So Herod Agrippa goes in there, and the sun shines off of his, his clothes, his royal clothes, and the people think he's a god as we'll see in just a minute a minute we go to acts 12 verse 22 the assembled people began to shout it's the voice of a god and not of a man because of those silver clothes now let me read you a quote from josephus this is from his antiquities provided to me by adam clark quote herod having reigned 3 years over all judea he took over, let me just make an insert here, he took over from Caligula. Caligula died in 39, excuse me, he got power in 39 from Caligula, he was friends with Caligula too, and then Caligula was assassinated in 41 and Claudius took over, and then Herod Agrippa first died in 44, which is about three years from now, so this is the three years he's talking about. Herod, having reigned three years over all Judea, he had reigned over the Tetrarchy of his brother Philip four years before this. Let me put in another insert here. Herod Agrippa had gotten rid of Herod Antipas in 39. That's his uncle. And Herod Antipas ruled Galilee and Perea, and Herod Agrippa I got him booted for misgovernment. And so Herod Agrippa I took over Galilee and Perea, he also uh, ended up taking the territory from his brother Philip, that's Herod Herod Philip II, who was running who was running Trachonitis and Batania, the 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 the, the areas, the prov- that not say provinces, the jurisdictions that are to the east of the Sea of Galilee, right past the Golan Heights. And so Herod Agrippa I had all this territory by now. He was a big shot. He had as much territory basically that Herod the Great had. Alright, so Continuing with Josephus' quote from the Antiquities, the I went down to Caesarea and there exhibited shows and games in honor of Claudius and made vows for his health, for Claudius' health. On the second day of these shows, he put on a garment made wholly of silver and of a contexture most truly wonderful and came into the theater early in the morning, at which time the silver of his garment, being illuminated by the first reflection of the sun's rays, shone out after a surprising manner and was so resplendent as to spread a horror over those who looked intently upon him. And presently his flatterers cried out, one from one place, and another from another, He is a god! And they added, Be thou merciful to us, for although we have here the reverenced thee only as a man, yet shall we henceforth own thee as superior to mortal nature. Nor did the king rebuke them, nor reject their impious flattery. Bad mistake, cry and shame he got killed for it by an angel of the Lord, because he accepted divine honors. We see that in verse 23 in Acts 12. At once, an angel of the Lord struck him, because he did not give the glory to God, and he became infected with worms and died. Now, the angel of the Lord striking him, I see angel of the Lord, and sometimes I think, yeah, I wonder if that's Jesus. <laughs> Jesus himself struck him. I don't know. But he immediately died, He and later on he became infected with worms. Excuse me, he immediately was struck down. He didn't. Die, but five days later he died after he became infected with worms. What was he? What? Why did he suffer this divine retribution? Because he blasphemed in not in not refusing divine honors when people acclaimed him as a god. He didn't say no, no, no. I'm a man. Don't worship me. He just took the acclamation. Remember, in my last audio, audio I pointed out that Herod Agrippa the first loved the flattery of the Jews. He loved popularity. Then NIV have study Bible says he also was struck down because of his persecution of the church. Remember in the first part of Acts 12, he's already killed James, the brother of John, the son of Zebedee, and he's already tried to kill Peter and put him in prison. And so God took him out. You know, I think the application here is fine. You want to fight God? Like so much of American culture right now is fighting God, the God who made them male and female. And now all of a sudden we've got to have 20 genders and women can't have children and men have got to wear dresses and all this Beat bologna sausage, you can keep doing that for a while. Sooner or later, you're going to pay a price. And there's people here that are walking dangerously close to the edge. Now, this let me give you a quote from Wikipedia. This is from Josephus about how Herod Agrippa I died. There's a mention of an owl, not in the scripture, but in the story around Herod Agrippa I. Let me read this, quote, During his imprisonment by Tiberius, um, Herod Agrippa I had been imprisoned by Tiberius earlier, Tiberius was before Caligula, the emperor. During his imprisonment by Tiberius, a similar omen, another owl in other words, had been interpreted as pretending his speedy release and future kingship with a warning that should he behold the same sight again, he would die. He was immediately smitten with violent pain, scolded his friends for flattering him, and accepted his imminent death. He, He scolded him a little too late and a little too little. He experienced heart pains and a pain in his abdomen and died after five days. Now, is this story about the owl credible? Clark says it's not credible. He said, why would a night owl be flying around in the bright sunlight? And I don't know the habits of owls too much, but that does seem kind of surprising. John Gill thinks Josephus is credible here. He might be taking Angel as a messenger. A messenger of the Lord killed Josephus. I don't know. This has the, the, the hint of mythology around it. You know how people like to make up these stories. And, of course, mythologists make it hard for history sometimes. But at any rate, Herod Agrippa I got what was coming to him, and he is gone, gone, gone to his just reward. Now we go to verse 24 in Acts 12. Then God's message flourished and multiplied. And the implication is the reason it's flourishing and multiplied is because Herod Agrippa is out of the way, and and God stopped his persecution. Now... Luke in Acts gives summary reports of progress as he goes through the book. For example, he gives a summary report concerning the progress of the gospel in Jerusalem, Acts 6-7. So the preaching about God flourished. The number of the disciples in Jerusalem multiplied greatly, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Things are humming in Jerusalem. We go to Acts 9, verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace. So now we're talking about the church not only in Judea, but also in Galilee and Samaria had peace, being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, and it increased in numbers. So Luke is careful to report the growth of the church, not in one building, but over whole areas of Judea, Samaria, and Galilee. And once again, right here in verse 24, he says God's message is flourishing and multiplying. Now, persecution often has that result. The church, the church grows very fast, but we need to consider that. That's because of Tertullian. He says, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Famous quote, and everybody quotes it all the time, and pretty soon you get the idea that persecution always results in church growth. No, it does not. And the classic example of this is Persia in about, in the first few centuries after Christ, I think it's about 400 or so, I think the church was wiped out over there in Iran. Because there's a lot of persecution against the churches, it was as the ministers of the gospel were trying to get it established there, and the government stomped it out. That's all right though. Sooner or later, Iran's going to be serving Christ just like everybody else is. There's already many, many reports of people getting saved in the middle of that Muslim stronghold over there. Now, not only did Herod Agrippa's the first death allow the church to grow, but also, the way he died might have encouraged that church growth because it was quite a remarkable sight to see a man receiving the honors of a God, and then five days later, he's dead. People are going to say, whoa, and all of a sudden the Christians are saying, well, yeah, you know, he put Christians in jail. That's what happens when you put Christians in jail and when you execute Christians. Bad things happen because those guys are serving the God of the universe. So maybe you better repent. That might have helped the church church growth. We go to verse 25, and we'll finish up Acts 12. After they had completed their relief mission, Bart- Bartimus and Saul returned from Jerusalem taking along John who is called Mark. Now this is referring back to the relief mission in Acts chapter 11 in the previous chapter. The church at Antioch was raising money because of a famine that occurred during the reign of Claudius and they were taking money to the poor, Christ- poor Jerusalem believers in Jerusalem. Where they collected everything according to all according to their ability. Let me read that verse. Acts 11:29 through 30. So each of the disciples, these are the disciples in Antioch, according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brothers who lived in Judea. They did this, sending it to the elders by means of Barnabas and Saul. And so Barnabas and Saul had gone down to Jerusalem carrying the money, and I failed to point this out when I was in Acts 11. You ought, you never see somebody carrying an offering by himself. They're not going to set anybody up for accusations of thievery, and they're not, not going to allow the possibility of thievery. Barnabas and Saul went together. They were accountable to each other. And now they've returned back from Jerusalem. They're back in Antioch. Now, there is a textual problem here. The Holman Christian Study Bible doesn't say Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem, i.e., to Antioch. The Homo Christian Bible says this, Barnabas and Saul returned to Jerusalem, which makes no sense to me. The NIV has from Jerusalem, which does make sense, but the NIV margin has, says that some manuscripts say two, and those manuscripts must have convinced the, the translators of the Homo Christian Study Bible to put two in the text, but two doesn't make any sense. As John Gill points out, they were sent from Antioch. Why would they not return to Antioch, to Antioch from Jerusalem? So from is really what it ought to stay here, instead of to. Now, when they came back to Antioch, they carried somebody who was from Jerusalem, namely John Mark. John who was called Mark. Now Mark's already been mentioned before. Let me give a brief bio of Mark. Some people think he was the guy that was in the Garden of Gethsemane who wrapped himself in a linen cloth, who was wrapped in a linen cloth, followed Jesus, and then when he got caught, he escaped by letting the linen cloth drop off of his body. Ah, Speculation, I don't know. But we knew, though, he wrote the second gospel. And in fact, most of his source material for the second gospel was from his close associate, Peter. So he's a very prominent guy. He accompanied Bartimus and Saul on the first missionary journey. And then, of course, as you know, he abandoned that first journey at Pamphylia on the southern coast of Anatolia. And Paul got ticked off about it and said, nope, It's not appropriate that we take him on the second journey. And so Paul lost not only John Mark, his companion on the first journey, but Barnabas, who was John Mark's cousin, and Paul's good friend there at Antioch. Barnabas went and did a separate missionary missionary trip to Cyprus, which is really kind of sad, really, because Paul and Barnabas were so close in Antioch. I mentioned earlier that Mark was closely associated with Peter. Let's read, everybody says that all the time. How do people know? Well, here's 1 Peter 5, 13. The church in Babylon, also chosen, sends you greetings, as does Mark, my son. Of course, son shows intimate fellowship there. John Mark's mother, Mary, had a house in Jerusalem, Acts 12, 12. When he, Peter, realized this, realized he was not in a vision anymore. He was in his senses. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many had assembled and were praying. Some people think that Mary's house was where... The Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost. I don't think so. I think it was in the temple. But anyway, so there is the story of John Mark, Barnabas, and Paul all going back to Antioch. And we are now prepared for the first missionary journey, which we will take up in the next chapter, chapter 13. I hope you listen to that audio when I get it done, and I hope you enjoyed this one.